Welcome to So You Want to Be a Witch, the podcast for soul-centered entrepreneurs and the people who love them. Welcome back to So You Want to Be a Witch. I am your host, Sarah M. Chapel, And y'all, we are here for a combined, this is like the, the Venn diagram overlap of Love Fest kind of like slight like stalker syndrome on my part and total brain-based nerd out today with the like love of my life, Alyssa Chang. <laughs> Alyssa is a brain-based health and wellness coach who is so brilliant. And I want you guys to really envision that diagram because like the, the stalkering in a healthy, happy, I hope way ooh, is super real. Alyssa is brilliant. Um, she helps people using neuroscience and movement. And she's here right now. Alyssa, welcome. Thank you, Sarah, for such a a wonderful um, intro. I was like, this got creepy so fast. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Because the love of my life and the stalker, I was like, oh, I did not know that. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome. No, I am a huge fan of yours though. I think you are fantastic. Your work is so cool. And I'm so excited that you're here and laughing through my creepiness. But Alyssa, tell us in your own words, who are you and what do you do? So hi everyone. My name is Alyssa and I work as a brain-based health and movement specialist. So all that basically means is that I take a neuroscience approach to how I help people better understand, connect, and listen to their body. And as Sarah and I were talking on uh, before we started to record was there's kind of this gap between the intuitive side, the listen to your body with also, you know, really actually feeling and believing that and living that out. And the gap is kind of this, I'm not sure if I believe in this, where's the science behind it. And I think I personally gravitate towards that deeper rooted scientific reasonings for me to then be able to apply this work, not only with myself, with my students. So I just have found that neuroscience is like that it fills that gap and helps provide people just more of the data (laughs) and a lot of the rooted reasonings as to why you can really trust your body and why you want to learn how to listen to her and what she's telling you as a means to, again, better connect and align everything when it comes to your health towards like this brain-based approach. Ugh, swoon. You said the word like data and I'm like weak at the (laughs) knees. You know, it's so interesting because I think especially in the space that a lot of our listeners work, you know, a lot of people in working in like kind of spiritual space or in wellness, but there, there isn't actually a ton of science-based discussion. It's almost like if you're going to be, you know, work in the spiritual space, you're going to believe in intuition, then you aren't allowed to look at the science. Like there's like this anti-science thing. Mm. And I love that place where they come and merge with your work. Yeah. And I think actually speaking with you, that has actually been more clearly identified in the work that I do through our conversations of, you know, what is intuition, right? What is like you mentioned being psychic is a forms of being intuitive, which I, I love. I was like, oh, I've never thought about it in that way. So I think being able to, like you mentioned, kind of meld the two types of philosophies or approaches, it's helpful for those skeptics, right? It's helpful for those people that are a little bit more cautious and like the research and the data. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, I'm a total skeptic at heart. So I'm just like, I love when I can like affirm my lived experience with data. I'm like, this is the best. Yes, yes, yes. 
So let's talk a little bit more about like what it is you do with people because, you know, brain-based like movement, like what, I mean, obviously our brains have to do with our movement. What does that mean? Yeah. So, you know, I think when I hear brain-based or probably when a lot of people actually are first introduced to that type of work, it often gets convoluted with, or mixed up, I would say with quote unquote mindset, right? So it's kind of like what you think about certain things. And while that is a part of what brain-based is, it's not actually, again, deeply rooted in like the structures of the nervous system. And so, you know, our nervous system has all these different lobes that have specific responsibilities. And so when we talk about brain-based, we're looking at assessing these different structures of your nervous system and identifying whether or not they're active, whether or not they're integrating well and processing that information in a way that gives you desired outputs. And so if they're not right through these specific brain-based assessments, then we have a much more clear path of what we need to do in order for you to feel better in your body. And so a lot of my demographic tends to be people that um, are, you know, struggling with a lot of pain. Let's say that they have had very complicated health histories. They're more prone to being anxious and easy to overwhelm. And so when we start taking them down this path of understanding their neurology, it almost is like this breath of fresh air and like that exhale that they haven't been able to take in their journey because they've always felt like something was wrong with them. And so when I introduce brain, brain-based work, they're like, whoa, like this all makes sense. Like it's not my fault. You know, they take the judgment and the shame off of their shoulders and they put it in this bucket of like, no, it's, it's my nervous system, right? It's because I had this car accident. It's because I've had this surgery that has amounted to my brain having a really hard time processing all this information, which has amounted to these like compromised outputs, which could, which could be pain, anxiety, easy to stress, you know? So that's kind of like a, an overarching summary of brain-based work that I do. It's so cool because I mean, I like, I like to think of myself as someone who has some knowledge about this, but I had the immense privilege of having a session with Alyssa. I told you the stalker thing is real. Um, (laughs) and you know, I have, I have a pain in my calf and I always think of it in my brains. My my thought is like, Oh, there's a problem with my muscle. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. this is such a silly shift, but you were like, Oh, well, you know, your nerve, you were talking about the nerves. You were talking about the nervous system, which is of course in in my muscles. And it it took me this like moment. I remember actually after our call being like, why was Alyssa talking about my nerves and my muscle pain? And I know I sound like a complete like bonzo right now, but at some point, I think a lot of us get really like trapped in this like higher level, like or you literally like surface level, like closer to the surface. Like we can think of like, I can conceptualize my muscle, but I can't conceptualize my nerves as being part of that oh, duh connection. Um, and that, that that's actually something we can work with. Cause I'm sitting here like, I need to stretch my muscle. And you were like, your nerve is probably plenty overstretched. And I was like, my nerve is stretched. It's like, what? That was just a ramble, but it was just, it's just such a different is a way that I had never quite thought about my body, even though my body obviously is like literally filled with a nervous system. Right, right, totally. <laughs> and it's, I mean, the hard part is, right, is like you look at traditional ways people approach quote unquote fitness or health, and it is this A plus B equals C type of equation or system that they try to get all of us to fit into. 
And neuroscience is more of like, oh, A plus B may equal C, D, E, F, G, you know, and it goes down this potential scenario. And so it makes a lot of us who've, who've dabbled in a lot of plans or programs feel almost validated for our personal and very unique experiences because, you know, how your brain receives all this information is very determined on, again, like a lot of the things that have happened before, right? Like, injuries you've incurred, like I mentioned, car accidents and surgeries and all of that trauma that has imprinted a very unique way that your brain will receive all the information. And again, the fitness industry kind of makes us seem more simplified than like how complex and that how complex we are and how beautiful those complexities are in us really better understanding like how to really work with our body. And it's kind of frustrating as a a health uh, professional to be in this realm where, you know, everything is so oversimplified, which leaves people feeling really defeated or confused or, you know, at fault for something not working. Oh, I mean, it's like, <laughs> it's funny. I see this in business too. It's like when people get that super reduction, it's like, oh, you just need more Instagram mm. followers and <laughs> yeah. you'll make more money. And it's like, not really. Like that's like, that's not an, you know, A plus B does not equal C more followers right. does not equal more money. And we want, like, I think there's part of us that wants things to be reduced. We want them to be simple, but they're not. (laughs) So how do we start to think about, about our bodies? And then some of those, I love to talk kind of specifically that some of the symptoms that, you know, you mentioned, because I I don't think I'm the only person listening to this podcast right now who has these challenges that like, you know, that the, the stress, the anxiety that like quick to overwhelm, um, what's really going on there? Yeah. I mean, I think like number one, like how you feel is so valid. I think that in many cases in the culture we live in, right. It's like, you know, don't feel what you're feeling, like, like going into this mindset or this overproductivity kind of routine where you're hustling all the time, right. You're not resting, especially if you obviously own and run a small business, it's like, there's this constant grind. And I see that obviously replicated in the fitness arena. And, you know, when we think about like, how do we better connect to our bodies and really understand what's going on with the conversation of anxiety, it's, it it can factor down to a couple of very specific things, which I will generalize at this point, just making assumptions that, you know, when we have anxiety, in many cases, your nervous system is really having a hard time working with all these little pieces that should amount to this, like I mentioned the word, um, integration and the processing part of the nervous system. So, uh, Sarah and I actually talk a lot about, or we've spoken about kind of vision. And so when our eyes, we both have, I mean, two eyes that work together to formulate one specific object. So there's a lot of this, you know, um, automation that happens with our, our, our visual system in order for us to feel and see very clearly. When these systems are dysregulated because of injury, because of trauma, like maybe you've had a concussion, maybe you've had LASIK surgery, maybe you stare at screens all day long and you're on Zoom all day long what? and, uh, <laughs> and your, uh, your eyes are not moving, this can already put you into fight or flight. And fight or flight is kind of that survival response by the nervous system. And so when our eyes are so used to staring at a screen and then reflected back is blue light blue light is also something that our nervous system is, well, artificial blue light, I should say that. Artificial blue light is also something that our nervous system has a more of a threat response to. 
So mm-hmm. you paint this picture of we're sitting on screens. Number one, sitting is also very, it's not very natural for us to do as human beings. We are kind of meant to be movers. So we're sitting, we're staring at blue light. Our eyes are not moving. We already are putting ourselves into this really stressed state, which can already, you know, heighten our level of anxiety. And then we move from there into like, you know, oh, I missed my breakfast. I missed my lunch because I've been back-to-back meetings, right? We're adding a lot of stressors into our nervous system and it just makes us more exhausted, to be honest. And so when we're not kind of attacking different areas of where we can establish like, quote unquote, a resiliency and a healthfulness in our nervous system, it makes us more susceptible to being prone to anxiety. And again, when I talk about the structures of the nervous system, there are certain areas of the nervous system that are responsible to what we call inhibition. So if you are easy to overwhelm, you might have specific parts of your nervous system that are not unable to basically inhibit anxious thoughts, overthinking, stressful thoughts, things like that. Oh my God. (laughs) I mean, it sounds like the perfect storm. Right. I mean, I know for me, it's like, it's anxiety that pushes me to sit in front of my computer all day and overwork, which then creates more anxiety. Mm -hmm. Like we have like this, like like kind of built in like feedback loop of being driven to, and I'd say like at the moment of this recording, you know, a lot of places are just starting to uh, reopen. A lot of folks are going to be working Mm -hmm. from home still. We've had this like heightened stress moment where also so many people have been given these high stress or like activities in terms of being in front of your computer and sitting all day in a different environment, even. Yeah. And you know, the nervous system is hardwired to keep you alive. And I think in many cases, right in the fitness arena, it's, it's a lot about like understanding that your survival like mechanisms will always trump like performance or aesthetic goals. And so when we're so hard, hardwired to survive, um, we do so via prediction And right now, like you had talked about, there's a lot of uncertainty, right? There's a lot of this change in routines, which impacts our our nervous system's availability to predict, which can already, like you mentioned, put us into more of this stressed and anxious state. So how we're surviving right now is like literally the best thing that individually each of us are able to do, right? So how we cope with what's going on right now is literally your nervous system's like, it's literally doing everything it can to like keep you alive. (laughs) So we start from this baseline of being like, good job, nervous system. You're doing your best. (laughs) How how do we start to shift some of these these patterns so that we can get the more, what was the phrase you use, optimal outputs? Yeah, great question. I think when it comes down to like starting to like rewire these pathways, a lot of it comes down to like, number one, better understanding and bringing awareness to certain patterns that you already have. So if you notice, right, like you sit in front of a screen and you spend five hours there and every time you get up from your computer, you're like back hurts, right? Every single time it's like so repeatable. You can then like note that like, oh, wow, you know, five hours in front of the screen or in my computer, like definitely triggers some lower back pain. And one thing I want to kind of throw out there is that pain is always going to be an action signal by your nervous system. So while Sarah had like, you know, you had kind of like calf pain, we started to explore what was influencing that, that may not actually be rooted back to your calf. So I would encourage you each to kind of think about pain being this, essentially this behavior change tool. 
So it's your nervous system's way of communicating to you like, Hey, can you, can you stop and like address something or change your behavior? Because I don't like this. This is making me more stressed. This is making me uh, feel more like uh, at unease. And so one of that is like, you know, you stand up after five hours on a computer and you have you know, your lower back is screaming and it's in so much pain. So it may not be your lower back, but it actually may be the fact that you were sedentary and you're staring at blue light and your eyes were not moving. You know, it's, it's, when you think about brain base, it's like looking at all these other moving pieces that basically contribute to a lot of these, like, again, these patterns that you notice your own body starts to share with you, right? It's like, its own way of like having a conversation with you. It's trying to like tell you like, Hey, Sarah, can you get up and walk around a little bit or, or move your eyes? You know, (laughs) I love that you talk so much about eyes because I think that that's not something people think about. Like I need to move my eyes. Yeah. (laughs) What's going on there? Why do I need to move my eyes? Yeah. And I think I, I, I didn't address that earlier, but, um, you know, when we stare at a screen, basically what ends up happening is that our eyes move in a very limited range of motion, right? So we're looking at like emails, maybe we hop over to like the upper right corner of our screen, but our eyes actually have muscles that attach to them. And similar to the muscles that we have everywhere in the rest of our body that we spend the time, right? Stretching, we do like strengthening exercises for them. We also need to pay a lot of attention to those muscles in the eyes that also need the time to be stretched, strengthened and mobilized. And unfortunately, the, you know, we're more encouraged to train everything from the neck down, right? We forget about the eyes, we forget about the inner ear, the tongue, the mouth, and all of those areas are so, so influential for our well-being, for our anxiety. So when we think about how often we do move our eyes, it's actually not that often. And your eyes are where we basically interpret up to 70% of our environment. So when you think about that being such a huge form of input, and if they don't move well, your nervous system's ability to kind of like have like these clear pathways to have like desirable outcomes, which could be, I feel at ease, right? I feel no pain. It's all of a sudden having a really hard time interpreting. So your outputs could be more pain, more anxiety. And so in my work, I do a lot of vision training because a lot of my demographic is currently looking a lot at screens. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. so we're noticing this really close correlation with more computer work, more blue light exposure with heightened levels of anxiety, more um, emotional, um, uh, I guess I could use the word instability. So we're more reactive, right? We're more irritable, less patient. And it could be the fact that your eyes are stuck chronically in this very fight or flight um, state where they're just holding an isometric. And I use the reference of like, you know, if you're ever to do like a a bicep curl and then Mm -hmm. you just hold it (laughs) and you're constantly contracting this bicep or this dumbbell and you're holding this bicep curl, you're basically doing that all day with your eyes when you're staring at a screen. So you think about holding a bicep curl for five hours like at some point, right, your that muscle is going to get so good at staying so engaged, so tight. But you know the ramifications of that is that it it doesn't it's unable to move anywhere else, mm. and that constant like in, um, contraction is also hugely calorie expenditure. Like I mean, expensive, I should say. So we're burning so many calories by staying in such a contracted state. And that's what I want you guys to each kind of think about with your eyes. You know, your eyes are constantly in that overly active, high tense state, which could be 
you know, very exhausting, very triggering for anxiety, very triggering for stress. I think it's so cool that like, I mean, you totally don't think like, I don't think about my eyes, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but that's something like that, which is also, I mean, something that we can actually do and exercise like at home, you don't need a dumbbell to do vision training. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> One of the things that's so cool about your work and, and some of the things that you, you teach, maybe we can talk a little bit about that, is that like you aren't doing these like big crazy movements. It's not like you need like a 20-pound dumbbell to quote like exercise your body. So it the 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 training that you you teach, and we'll link, make sure we link all of Alyssa's stuff up so you can like watch some of her videos on Instagram and stuff. It's really focused, and a lot of the movements are actually quite small. Can you talk mm. to us a little bit about? I mean, I guess first of all, like that perspective, especially with your fitness background. We've even talked about like where did Alyssa come from? Um, but like <laughs> with, with your with your background, there's such a there's such a shift in terms of like going from this, like, as you were talking about, like that go, 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 and how that influences what we think of wellness to like the way you're approaching things, which is, is so almost precise and dare I say delicate. I don't know if that's quite Mm -hmm. the right word, but yeah. I like that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, we're again, culturally kind of influenced to, you know, push past pain, the no make, no pain, no gain kind of mentality, the grind. And what I argue when I do meet people in this type of mentality is like, where has it got you? Right. Are you, at, <laughs> Burn. Are, you are you at where you imagine you would be? Right. And what does your life look like? The hard part about that is, you know, I think we're impressionable to begin with as human beings and we can on like sometimes be steered down paths that don't really suit what we actually need. And so I'm always kind of trying to encourage my students to bring awareness to what is the minimum amount of things that you can do to have the most impact on you. Because if we can move your eyes for five minutes a day and you feel far less anxious, so you're much more productive at work, you're, you know, available to have conversations with your partner. You can go on the walks because you have energy. Like that sounds way better than spending two hours working out because you've been conditioned to believe that the harder that you work, the more progress you'll gain. So I like to think about it as a minimum effective dosage where, you know, if we can, again, move your eyes in a circle, do some convergence, do some resetting, like what does that amount to? And what does that open up for you in regards to options for your movements? Because in most scenarios, people get injured, right? There's injury that interrupts their progress. There's injuries that um, stall progress. And so it's like, how can we use these very intentional Uh, precise movements that, again, target a very specific part of your nervous system that allows the interpretation, the processing, and then the outputs to be, again, more desirable. So you're available to do all the things that you want to do. You know, you're not inhibited by pain. You're not inhibited by injury or the fact that, you know, you're so anxious that you want to stay home all day, you know? It's so fucking cool. Oh my God. (laughs) Everyone, move your eyes, move those <laughs> eyeballs. I'm hearing you talk, and you know, I obviously we're doing a podcast, so this is not like they say like the best format to like dive deeply into your work. But one of the things that comes up for me that I'd love for us to kind of like take a left turn on is that you you actually have taken this, I mean, brain based, but like movement, right? We're talking about like actual like like physical like movements and exercises. 
Um, and you've taken that business like entirely online. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, I'm, I'm kind of hearing us talk about it. And I was like, oh, I'm so glad I can just like send people to Alyssa's Instagram and they can see your awesome like IGTV videos where you're showing some <laughs> of these things, you know, but I think I know some of our listeners or a lot of our listeners, probably especially right now um, with the pandemic, but in general have, have, you know, kind of, kind of in-person movement-based businesses. And I know I've been asking the question, like, how do I actually take something that is like tactile (laughs) and Mm. bring it onto the internet in a way that's effective? And I realize this is totally a different direction than where we were going, but I want to hear from Mm. you. What has that transition been like for you? Yeah. I mean, I think I always saw the potential. I mean, I think that, um, in my work with in-person, there is obviously you're able to like, with a lot of my clients who maybe are tactile feedback, you know, learners, like you're obviously compromising that part. But I think the thing that I was always aiming for was how do I create more independence with my clients? Because I started to notice them become very dependent on me, which to me didn't really align with what I wanted to do for my business. Like, how do I get someone in the doors, work with me in a very intense fashion, and then almost set them free where they could self-assess their nervous system. They could get very clear on what strategies they need to turn to, what drills they need to do, how to execute them so that they could still feel really great without being reliant on me. Mm -hmm. And so I think I always kind of had that intention of migrating my business towards that. And so I saw a lot of my in-persons kind of stick around with me because I think, you know, they liked the company, they liked the accountability, but I was kind of like always reminded like, oh, wow, they ask very, they kind of ask sometimes similar questions, you know, that at some point I was like, oh, they quote unquote should know the answer to this, you know? And so I was like, oh, Mm -hmm. this might be an error in how I'm working with them. And so when I kind of positioned my business online, I had to, yes, create the systems, create the framework, but then almost walk them through you know, these very intentional steps where they were really empowering themselves to not only become better assessment experts in how they, you know, assess their anxiety, assess their nervous system and their pain, and then critically think for themselves, oh, what is, what do I then do? Right. When this happened last time, I remember that Alyssa walked me through this vision drill and then they go to that part. Right. So it, it was more so this, like, yeah, I was taking a risk, but I always knew that like, at some point we all learned to develop some independence. And I really wanted to kind of help support that process of their health journey, because if I could give them the tools and after, you know, 12 weeks, they are so much more equipped to critically think about all these different problems. Like that's, that's so huge because any new transition they experience in their life, they're going to have this, this set of framework to fall back on and to then pivot and work with those transitions. I think it's so interesting that, that, that shift from, you know, into the online space actually helped you become more aligned with with your values, you know, and that's something I see a lot where those of us who, and I used to do more work in person. I don't do any now. Well, I don't do any now, but I I don't do any more in my business. Um, but that, that space of dependency that's created when we are dependent on facilitators to get us the results. Mm. Right. But because there's that, that layer where it's like, well, no, you're not going to be able to have a, an in-person session with them where you move that part of their body for them, right? Or you show mm-hmm. them that, that required you to create the framework so that they could self-assess and actually learn how to do it themselves. And 
you know, I think of that with my group program, my launch incubator, my goal is at the end of that program, you have the tools you need to do it again without me. Like Mm -hmm. you can come work with me again. You can do the incubator again, but I want that to be because (laughs) you're like, you know, I just, I do well with more accountability or Mm -hmm. I I like the community, you know, not because you don't know how to do the thing anymore. And Mm -hmm. it's such a cool reframe instead of feeling like, oh, when I go online, I'm losing something because I can't touch somebody's body or see them face to face. Instead, you actually created the gap so that you can help people to be self-empowered on their own journey in a way that all the other systems and tools and programs have kind of left them without that framework. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, it's interesting, like when I was in person so much, I think I always had that little hunch, right? Like, oh, like, does this client still need to be working with me at this frequency for this many years, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, it's kind of like, uh, I had a friend talk to me about, you know, when we get new clients, it's kind of like dating, you know, you're like in this honeymoon phase, you're like so excited and they're learning all these new things. And then you kind of get into this like very comfortable place, you know, and then you either have to sit down and reestablish, like, what are your new goals? Like, where are we going from here? Is this still in your best interest, you know, and, um, just having the confidence to take that initiative to be like, you know, this, this is what I feel from a professional standpoint. I think you're good to go. Like, I think, you know, you don't need to be seeing me this frequently. And, you know, if you still want to, like, that's, that's, that's fine. That's definitely your choice. But like, as my professional background, like, I think you can do a lot of this independently. And again, a lot of clients like are like, oh no, I love the accountability and I love the emotional support and like the companionship almost, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, but yeah, that's, that's a really good point. I never thought about it. Well, I love that you're, you're mentioning though, that uh, was one of my favorite things is like, how can I make myself obsolete? I was like, I don't Mm -hmm. want you to need me. (laughs) Like, I think I've done my job (laughs) if you like don't need me anymore. And being able to think that way, like from kind of a mindset perspective is pretty big. I mean, how do you sit there and look at like your business and say, oh, well, it actually like to actually step in that place and be like, it's best for this customer to discontinue. They don't need me. That's like some real abundance mindset stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think like, you know, it's like what frustrates me is again, the amount of information that's out there and how much confusion it's led a lot of my students to feel and to then have them start searching for answers outside of themselves and Mm -hmm. to start questioning like their intuition, right? That gut feeling and to feel like they don't, that they're they're so ill-equipped, right? But my whole program is established not only for them to get familiar with brain-based work, but then to really start aligning and getting in more trust with like, oh my gosh, it is normal, quote unquote normal to like feel this way, right? I am validated for this. And this is, you know, I, I am actually more, more of an expert in myself than then I was led to believe, right? And so they start to feel empowered. They start to feel much more aligned with quote unquote intuition and understanding actually what that means, you know, because there's no way we can hear our intuition if we have so, so, so much clutter and people like telling us what we should be feeling, what we should be doing. And I just want to like shake that all up so that they can actually sit in stillness and be like, oh, I, I can confidently say, I can hear what my body is telling me, you know? (laughs) Mm. So what is intuition to you and how can we hear what our bodies are telling us? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the hard part is, is like, I just, I really feel for the people that, that either question it, doubt it, don't trust it. Right. And I think a lot of that does have to do with a lot of the clutter. I think intuition is, hmm, how can I say this? 
I, I always tell clients like, uh, what's great is I see this happen within my program is that they start to share with me like these, I think statements like, you know, Alyssa, I think that, you know, my shoulder pain happens, you know, every time that I drive, you know, and I'm like, Ooh, let's explore that. And so it's these like little pieces that they start to share with me. They're like, Oh, this might sound crazy, but I think, and I always encourage that conversation to just be unraveled, right? Let's like dig deep into that statement because that's actually your intuition. Like you wouldn't just say that, right? Like something led you to share that with me that like, I think this is why. Um, and I always tell my students that like, there's a, there will be a point in the program where your, I think statements will turn into, I know. And mm-hmm. so I think my shoulder hurts when I drive. It's like, Oh my God, my shoulder. I know my shoulder always hurts when I drive. Right. And so it's like being able to then lean in with curiosity to hear what those, I think statements are, and then spend time with it, unraveling it. And then basically proving it potentially, you know, more factual than not. Mm. I just had like 50 show up in my brain, listeners at home, like, what came up for you right there? <laughs> um, that is, it is interesting. And it's interesting, like there's like in the context of your program and with working with you, you can kind of like expand that space between when they have that thought and then shut it down because it doesn't align with something they've been told and mm. like create the breathing room for them to start to actually notice that they do have an initial response that stems from within before they kind of slap the like whatever the teaching was on top of it. Yeah. And, you know, with working with you, you were like, I love how excited you get. And I think think that excitement is so like, I just can't help it because to me, right. When someone says that my brain goes down this rabbit hole, like these are all the potential reasons why you feel this one simple thing. And that one simple thing, unfortunately, like you mentioned, has been stifled, has been told like you shouldn't feel that, right? Like that's not right. And I'm like, whoa, these are all the potential reasons why that's happening, right? And to like approach the this whole exploring yourself and your intuition, your body from this curiosity lens, but also this like, I'm so excited to learn, right? I'm so excited to learn her, to learn what she's been trying to tell me all these years, to like actually become more clear on these signals and what they all mean. So like the excitement is like, I can't help it sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> no, Alyssa gets the total like, ooh. <laughs> You're like, I noticed this thing, ooh, and your eyes get big and you get so excited. Well, I'm kind of curious too. I mean, you've been doing this for a little while. Um, I think one of the fears that I know I hear people in my community say is like that they'll, you know, that they're afraid of like, well, first of all, always of like picking the wrong thing in their business, but there's that kind of fear that they're going to get bored and what happens, you know, how do you maintain this? Like, I mean, enthusiasm for your work. Mm, You know, my work is so special because I feel like each student has a very, I mean, this goes back to like the neuroscience is like, you know, everything that each of them have experienced is so personal, right? Whether or not they sprained their right foot uh, versus their left side, you know, whether or not they had braces or not, whether or not they, you know, what prescription their glasses are. And so like all these very unique mechanisms that they've experienced their entire life, I get to meet so many new people, right? Every time I go through like my program. And so I think that novelty is what is continuing to be so exciting. I think the arena of neurology and quote unquote, like health, like it's, there's so much to learn. And I think like, I, I'm always in, 
in a space where I'm constantly a student. Like I could never learn enough. I could never be, you know, like this, um, while I have years of studying this work, like I still don't know it all. And I'm, I'm like, okay with that because my brain, it can only receive so much information, but, um, it always allows me to like step into the space of like, what can I learn today? Right? Like, what is the student going to share with me that I was not expecting? Um, and so I think that novelty is something that is always fueling my excitement and my, and my fulfillment essentially. So I think, you know, if we can all approach like what we do from the perspective of like, what is something new that I can learn and you know, what, what is going to surprise me today in my business that I wasn't expecting, like it, it's there, like it, it may be maybe more dull or subtle, but that newness is, I think what neurologically sparks this like excitement in our brain to be like, Ooh, let me, let me lean into that and learn more about that. (laughs) I hear that. I love, I mean, lifelong learner, like I can't (laughs) possibly be bored with my job. There's like so many interesting things that happen all the time and everyone has new exciting problems or challenges to figure (laughs) out like, Ooh, juicy problem solving. (laughs) (laughs) So if we're going to tell the folks at home kind of a way to start to work with their bodies and their their feelings and expressions from this brain-based lens, where do you recommend that people begin? I think number one, it's always like bringing that awareness to these little talking points. And I like to have each of my students kind of just settle into trusting that their body is trying to communicate something to them. Right. And even it's, if it's super small, like it's like a little whisper of like, Oh, my knee just felt funny there. Right. Like stop and use that as information, like write that down somewhere, jot it down. Like, Oh, my knee hurt randomly at this point. And what you'll find is that if you can uh, collect data, this data can be processed from a lens of like, Oh, wow. Look, every time again, I sat at my computer for five hours, my lower back hurt. And so what you want to do from that is like when you gather so much useful and interesting data to then kind of look at it and see if you can then identify patterns. And, um, you know, the big part about this is like being able to really settle into creating that body awareness and that open dialogue versus like what we talked about earlier, kind of like the stifling So any type of, I think, statements like, please, please don't, don't kind of like stifle those, like allow those to come to the surface and then jot it down. Because with all of that information, I guarantee there's going to be some sort of pattern that you can start to connect with everything. I'm like, all right, I just went into self-assessment mode. Sarah, you're in the middle of a podcast. Come back. (laughs) Um, where can people learn more about your work, Alyssa, and find you and your delight? And also, no, don't stalk her. That's weird. Um, but, you know, um, become, like, try to become her friend. Wait, no, also weird. <laughs> learn more about your work. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, my website is www.coachalyssachang.com. And then my Instagram is coachalyssachang. And I do have a private Facebook group called Befriend Your Body which, um, is kind of just like a tight knit community from the standpoint of, you know, just having a place where people are also approaching health from this lens of like, how do I learn to like work with my body versus against it? And I think that when you're on kind of like a healing journey of better identifying like these subtle cues and leaning into this conversation with your body, it's always super helpful to have a community that's going to support that conversation. So 
yeah, those are basically the ways that you can learn more about me. (laughs) Awesome. We will link all of that up in the show notes so that you guys can go and easily find Alyssa, who is changing my life. (laughs) just like total swoon um do you have like a last like word of wisdom that you no pressure that you can leave us with you know I think that you know we're so often left to feel badly for what society tells us we should feel or what results we should be getting and I think that it like that just goes against our nervous system and our unique neurology and I think when something doesn't work for you it doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you. It doesn't mean that you're broken, right? Like all of these things, it actually means that you just identified a way to use that to your benefit of what you shouldn't be doing, right? Why that's Mm -hmm. not working is not you. It's probably some built-in like safety precaution that your brain has established for you. um, That's like, I don't like that. Let's do something different. Um, And then (laughs) utilize that as an opportunity for you to pivot wherever you're at, whether it's with your business, whether it's with your, you know, your health journey because I, I would really encourage you to lean into that process of like, there's nothing wrong with you. It's actually an opportunity for you to just change your path and redirect. Mm. Amazing, Alyssa. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge, your wisdom with us today. I know everyone's over there probably like rolling their eyes around trying to stretch those poor <laughs> sad muscles. Um, and we'll make sure we link up everything in the show notes. Alyssa, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Sarah. <laughs> And everyone listening at home, thank you for listening. You're the reason that we're here. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you give Alyssa a follow and uh, take a screenshot of this. You guys know this one. Take a screenshot of this episode, tag us both on the Instagram and let us know what's something new that you learned. You can all say that you need to move your eyeballs. That will totally count. But if you come up with something that's not your eyeballs, you'll get extra brownie points. Um, And I will see you guys next week. Thank you, Alyssa. And bye for now. Bye.